Welcome to the Engage podcast from BlackBot, the podcast for people dedicated to purpose-driven work. From nonprofit fundraising and finance to grant making, education, and corporate social responsibility, we're talking with sector experts and thought leaders about the best practices and latest trends that will help you grow your impact. Hello and welcome everyone. We are thrilled that you have joined us for this conversation today, focused on the role AI can play in corporate social impact. My name is Andrew Troop and I'm the Director of Giving and Engagement at BlackBod. And I am so thrilled to be joined today by Brandilyn Barnett, who is a respected expert, peer, and change maker in the social impact space. Brandilyn is currently the head of innovation and philanthropy at Giving Compass. However, he has an extensive amount of experience in technology, CSR, philanthropy, and the broader social impact space. You know, I've been very fortunate to know you for many years, Brandilyn. In fact, I won't say how many years, as that will inevitably age us both a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But for those that don't know you, you have a very extensive and impressive background, which I would also say you have a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. So for folks who don't know, you're an investor, an author, an entrepreneur uh, who's been dedicated to merging technology and social impact to better move resources to those in need. You have an incredible book, Dreams Deferred, Recession, Struggle, and the Quest for a Better World which chronicles your own personal journey through poverty and adversity to a career in social impact in tech. And you currently are engaged in multiple endeavors beyond the work that you're doing for Giving Compass, including serving as the founder of the regular app, serving on uh, as the board member of Spur Local, formerly the catalog for philanthropy, and until recently also serving as an elected ANC committee commissioner in Washington, D.C., amongst many other things. So no shortage of things going on, to say the least. Uh, So perhaps we can start there, actually, a little bit. uh, Let's talk about your experience in the space. Uh, Before we dig into this conversation about AI and and corporate social impact, I'd love for you to just take that moment and and maybe provide a quick summary of your own journey uh, for our listeners, including what drew you specifically into the technology and social impact space. Yeah. So first of all, thank you, Andrew. I'm so excited for the conversation. And, you know, I think the best way for me to tell my story usually is to start with just throwing it out there that I'm a massive nerd. And so a lot of the things that I have aspired to come from a childhood spent watching Star Trek The Next Generation, Babylon 5, uh, reading Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov, and really just imagining Um, these different worlds and different ways that we could live and structure humanity. And then contrasting that with the world that I saw around me. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, Um, you know, very common story, single mother, not a lot of resources, but, you know, she was doing everything she could uh, to provide for me and support me. But there were moments where I would see her crying um, because she couldn't make the rent or because she was struggling with some other aspect of life. And, you know, particularly in my early teens, I think that contrast between the worlds that I love to imagine and immerse myself in, myself in, and this world that I saw around me and how I saw people struggling and, and not being able to have hope or find a future, uh, that contrast just inspired me when I, uh, as I grew older, to think about work that would help people uh, to find their way to that world, to make the world more like those worlds I think we all love to imagine 
and you know read about and see in in our fiction. And so that set me on a journey. Uh, originally, I was very obsessed with kind of doing international development work, and went to grad school after graduating from college. Got my master's in international studies and economics, and. I did early work in my career for NGOs, uh, got to travel the world, places like Ghana, Laos, Thailand, Jamaica, but I could never find a role in nonprofits and development that paid enough for me to pay my student loans, help my mother, uh, take care of a lot of practical concerns. And then at a certain point, I just couldn't find a job at all. And it was around that time that I began to discover the worlds of philanthropy, corporate social responsibility, and social impact more broadly. And that started me on a journey to thinking about innovative ways to find a, find a, find a place in that space. Uh, and then, you know, when you think of all, when I think of all that together, it's kind of not a surprise, you know, being a massive nerd that I ended up building social impact technologies. Um, but it's been quite a journey to get here. And I just I do stay probably too busy. That's what everyone tells me. But um, at the core of everything I've done, it really is about how can I just be a part of helping the world be more like the, those worlds that I love? Even if it's, sometimes it can be idealistic, I very strongly believe in kind of setting that as a goal and as a vision for, for how I give back. Well, thank you so much for sharing that uh, personal journey that you've been on. I think so many elements of that uh, really resonate with many people and will resonate with many people. It certainly does with me as a fellow nerd and fellow person who's enjoyed many of those shows that you uh, spoke to. Uh, and equally, I thought about sort of what's the world we live in today and where's that opportunity to to work together to create the world that we want to see tomorrow. So, yeah. and with that said, I think that's why a lot of people get get ultimately immersed in this social impact and corporate social impact work. Today, obviously, we're going to talk about the role that AI can play in that, what, what we think AI can play as a role in the social impact and corporate social impact space of tomorrow. But before we dig into that, uh, and before we dig into some of the opportunities and potential pitfalls with AI, I thought maybe we could start with some definitions. You know, for some of our listeners, AI still seems so new and unknown. Yet the concept, ironically, uh, you know, the application of artificial intelligence or AI is not new at all. It's actually been around for, for many, many years, as we yeah. both know. Um, that being said, having tools that leverage generative AI, machine learning, natural language processing models, all in the hands of everyday people, I'd argue that is new, right? Uh, so maybe we can start there. Let's talk a little bit about um, how you've seen AI evolve and specifically that prominent shift that we saw last year in 2023? Yeah, I think the biggest representation or manifestation I've seen of that shift, uh, which I think has been pretty profound, comes from my time uh, building Salesforce.org's Philanthropy Cloud. I was the third product manager on that team. We're building a workplace engagement product. And one of the challenges that we faced was how do we recommend nonprofits? So we have to build a kind of classic, you mentioned that AI has been around for years, right? So we wanted to use that existing technology of the time to build a very classic recommendation engine. So we to do that, we had to have a data scientist, ML engineers, and a whole team really thinking about the architecture of how we make those recommendations to users uh, that, they're, that are more likely to engage them. And I contrast that to today, where our team at Giving Compass has been working to build out what we call AI conversational church, uh, search for charities. And in just a couple of months with a small team, 
we were able to build a system where you can go in and conversationally say things like, I'm interested in organizations in DC that support women and girls in STEM and get a full list of recommendations of local charities, all just by calling the OpenAI API and applying some other techniques on top of that. And so it dramatically increases the ability that we've got to use AI to do things like recommendations uh, that can really drive engagement with philanthropy and with causes. And it presents some exciting opportunities. There are a lot of things that AI, I think, is good at and bad at, and we need to be very cognizant of that. And perhaps we can get into that over the course of the conversation. But that shift, I mean, for me, that's a very stark difference, right? And, you know, just a matter of years. That is a stark difference. And, and to your point, a very rapid one over the past few years and a very rapid one that we saw, uh, like we said last year. Uh, and something that you highlighted, right? There is lots of potential opportunity with some of this new technology, with the rapid ways that AI is innovating. Although I'd also offer that it's not just opportunity, there are implications, there's potential. Most certainly unintended consequences, right? Um, I I saw a stat recently that as much as 90% of internet data, everything that we see and read online today, could actually be generated by AI as early as 2026. It's only two years away. That's an astonishing thought to think that 90% of the internet data that we're reading every day would be generated by AI. What's your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that sort of rapid evolution and the potential implications of that? Yeah, I mean, my first thought is that, you know, we really need to be cognizant of the risk of creating a kind of feedback loop where (laughs) what happens when AI is learning from the data that's online and from the articles, the content, the reactions. And if 90% of that data is coming from AI, there's a point that you reach, I think, where AI is just learning from itself and it's no longer learning uh, from data that comes from actual human beings. And I think that's a a real risk as we continue to think about how these models get trained. But I think the other thing that we need to be really cognizant of with that stat is just where does the data come from? Like representation within the data sets that underpin a lot of these uh, foundational large language models. A lot of, and we did an experiment at Giving Compass where we used user testing uh, and some other tools to actually find donor advised fund holders and have them use ChatGPT and it's kind of out of the box state to ask about causes and charities that might be of interest to them. It's really interesting to note that it can actually provide some good generalized philanthropic advice. Uh, it has access to lots of articles from places like Stanford PAX and other sources, and it, it can provide a, a good summary of ways to think about things like trust-based philanthropy or impact-driven philanthropy. But when it came time to say, you know, recommend some charities for me, it really has only a deep understanding of those large charitable institutions that do an incredible work, the Save the Children's, the Doctors Without Borders. But many of the small local charities in communities that are doing incredible work that need support more than ever, given all of the challenges that we face, are not represented in those data sets. And so that's something that we really need to think about because that 90% of data that's online, that's how people find organizations to support. That's how they find initiatives that uh, kind of ignite their passions. And what happens when that data that's being generated just doesn't have an understanding of these kind of grassroots uh, initiatives, these grassroots nonprofits, the work that they're doing, the impact that they're having, 
that won't be represented in the content that we read and use to explore and find ways to engage with causes. And so I think that's a real risk that organizations like Giving Compass, uh, I spent time as chief product officer for a company called Humanitas AI that was attempting to kind of address that same core problem. Um, but I think it's really an all hands on deck moment to think about how we address that uh, because the donor journey begins with that exploration, with that content. And it's, it's going to be dramatically affected by these shifts. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, right? I mean, at the end of the day, data is really at the core of this, right? And I think we would both agree, you know, to your point, AI tools are only as good as the data they actually have access to. And, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that many organizations, many people are not digitally represented today, right? They're not in the data yeah. that we have today. So when well, you we think never about saw the that, digital divide, right? So a lot exactly. of people literally are not online in rural communities and other places. Exactly. So without having solved for that digital divide, without having those folks online, that data set is missing. So that kind of brings me into my question. You know, when you think about how we move forward with AI, when you think about how we move forward as a global society trying to use AI in a responsible manner, you know, what's some of the work that we can do to address this particular issue? When we think about uh, just the missing data and the work that we want to do in the impact space, how do we address it? What's some of the steps we can take? Yeah, I think organizations have to begin at, at kind of a, the level they can begin at, right? To make sure that they are equipped to be digitally represented. That's what I call it. And by that, I mean, you would be surprised how many organizations, nonprofits of all sizes, put out annual reports, say, through their website or through uh, PDFs that aren't machine readable or easily machine readable. And you really have to start thinking about, can ChatGPT or similar tools read our annual report? Is the key data that donors would use to think about us, is it available in a form that if a ChatGPT, which, and I'm using that tool, but there are BARD and other tools as well, which are increasingly able to browse the internet themselves, are they able to access and read this data so that it can be shared, so that it is represented in these data sets? That doesn't solve the kind of underlying issue of the representation in the, in the foundational model, but it does begin to make sure that you can be found and discovered in this era where search looks different. You know, think about today. You go to Bing, it's very different from a year and a half ago. You now see the opportunity to kind of generate a summary rather than looking through links. You need to be able to have your information be digestible by that tool so that it shows up effectively in that summary in the way that you want it to. I think that there's other things that we need to think about at scale and work on collaboratively with multiple institutions involved across the philanthropic space. And I know there are efforts like that happening uh, within organizations like Giving Compass, as well as Giving Tuesday with their data commons. And we really just need to think about how do we better collect data from our space so that when these models are being trained foundationally, that data is represented. I think another piece that this this will probably resonate with you, but it, as a as a product manager and leader, but products are often driven by the people that use them. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a democratic process, right? But if you are not a user of a product at all or a service, your voice will not be heard. And so I think it's incumbent on the social impact space and nonprofits and foundations to not approach these technologies in a, in a way that's kind of fear first. Instead, approach them in a way that's like experimentation first, innovation first, where you are using them, you are asking them questions, 
you are bringing the perspective of social impact organizations to the use of these tools so that when it comes time to think about what kinds of features, what kinds of data they should support, what kinds of ethical considerations should be thought about, you're not just someone who's looking from the outside, you're a user making the case that this could be a powerful tool for um, these use cases, but you guys have got to listen to us around specific features or functionality or safeguards that need to be put in place. So many good call-outs. I mean, I think to your point, so many steps that folks could take immediately today if they, one, start thinking about their organization, their work, their impact, how that's showing up digitally in a consumable way today, to your point. And then also, what are the steps that that we're taking to experiment, to learn, to develop our own sort of skills and comfort with these tools? You know, here at BlackBot, we often think of AI as just being a piece of a larger puzzle. You know, we think Mm -hmm. of the data itself, as you and I have been talking about, as being the raw material. And you need the raw material to be there to begin with, right? But then we think of AI as being really a set of tools that can transform that data into actual insights, and then you have to mm-hmm. go beyond that. You know, transforming the data into insights is one element, but you still need that layer of sort of expertise that helps you take those insights and really yeah. build those into strategies. So, so again, kind of thinking of AI as a piece of the puzzle. One thing that you called out, though, that I think is so important is that for a lot of folks, I think before we dig into the opportunity of AI, we have to acknowledge that there is some feelings of fear. And I think it's mm-hmm. important to address those, right? Folks are feeling fear around potential misuse of AI, around job elimination, around biases, uh, around already vulnerable and marginalized groups being left behind. I think if we can acknowledge those very real fears, then we can start to proactively address them. But but maybe talk a little bit about your thoughts about addressing those fears. Yeah, I think those fears are very justified. And one thing I try not to do in any conversation with AI is to approach it with rose-colored glasses. Like there are some real risks with this technology. It, even just thinking about it as a human, right? You go and we, we've been trained for our entire lives to this point to think that you know machines know best or they know better or they, they have information and data that goes beyond what you'd get from other sources. Yet AI can hallucinate and there's real danger of training or poisoning the data that's within AI to offer facts that aren't facts. Right. And we already even prior to AI, we we had issues with the misuse of data and information. And so I think that it is uh, entirely justified to think about those risks. When I think about it, though, uh, there's kind of two perspectives for me. One is some of these risks go beyond what's possible in the technology sector. Right. I think we all have to take some kind of societal responsibility and begin to really push for our legislators. And I'm not even talking about necessarily the U.S. Congress or at a national level in whatever country you might be in. With it at a local level, let's begin to get our local governments and uh, elected officials to start thinking about these tools and what they mean and to start questioning whether they could be useful and in what circumstances, because if we don't have those conversations, people within government institutions are trying to solve problems just like people in the private sector. And so they're going to roll out these tools without necessarily having had that public conversation and discussion that I think is vital. And so I think a lot of this is a policy problem. 
And, you know, my, my concern there is that whether it's climate change or AI or other issues, uh, particularly in the U.S., we seem to be having trouble. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shy away from politics, but we seem to be having trouble having any kind of nuanced kind of policy debate across a variety of issues. So I think there are some, some problems that we need to discuss that go beyond just the AI. But I think the other way I think about these tools is really the need for AI education. And specifically, one of the things I've been doing is going around talking to small nonprofits um, and large nonprofits, organizations like Feeding America and Volunteers of America, and just trying to talk with them about what is AI? What are some of the fears? What are some of the opportunities? What are some of the use cases that are emerging so that we don't have to address these risks and think about them in silos? Instead, when everyone is educated and informed, we can think about how to address some of these issues together. And I think thinking about things like cybersecurity, uh, my advice to anyone or any organization is cybersecurity is going to look entirely different in the age of generative AI. And organizations really need to invest some time right now, meaning yesterday, in thinking about their cybersecurity policies and a lot of the things they do to protect their data. There's, that is outside my area of expertise, but one thing that has become very clear to me in building these products and delving into this space is that there really needs to be an evaluation of data security and even data privacy in the age of AI that looks different than it did a year ago. There's the big risk of job losses, I think, is very, very justified right? Even a preliminary kind of experimentation with these tools shows that they're good at some things like content creation. So right there, you're looking at some potential roles in, say, marketing or communications that could be threatened, it, depending on the organization and how they want to approach the use of these technologies. I think that there's two things there for me. One is that I always try to tell folks in the social impact space that I think there's less risk of that. So I think there's less risk of program officers within foundations or corporate responsibility teams facing job loss because of these technologies. They're simply not there yet. But I do think that we need to think about the broader picture of how the organizations working in communities will be affected when, you know, Amazon, when IBM, for example, says they're not going to hire thousands of people, uh, which they said, you know, late early last year, because they think that within the next year or so AI could replace jobs. That can mean more people in need of services, in need of help. And I think we could actually take some learning from the corporate responsibility space in the kinds of pledges that drove a lot of CSR and ESG forward in its earlier days to think about can companies begin to come together to pledge to say, we will not use AI for these purposes, or we will not replace jobs with AI. We uh, will find a way to reskill folks so that they can use AI to get more done, even if that's in a different capacity. And so it's a very nuanced issue. I won't pretend to be the expert, but those are just some of the ways that I've been sort of thinking about it and talking about it. I really appreciate that and appreciate, you know, calling out each of those different areas that needs to be looked at. To your point, AI is more than just the technology itself. It's It, it touches on things like policy, to your point, um, it touches on the need for us to invest time and education. And then to your point, there are some learnings, even in the way that we have been sort of addressing things in, in the way that we commit and pledge in the corporate social responsibility 
uh, space today that could have some positive implications, some learnings that we could be applying to the way that we approach AI as well, which kind of leads me nicely into the next section, which I wanted to shift gears now that we've acknowledged the fact that there are fears and that's, and that's absolutely understandable. And there's lots of opportunity as well, right? AI is really uniquely positioned to provide a lot of opportunity, especially opportunity potentially for those that have not typically had that opportunity in the past to access or to leverage uh, technology that have not necessarily had that advantage. You know, one of the things that we always talk about at BlackBot is we think about our intelligence for good strategy. And we work through uh, the work that we're doing with AI today is that we call out the importance for social impact organizations to benefit from AI but in a way that AI is accessible, that's powerful, but that's also trustworthy and responsible. Mm -hmm. So with all of that in mind, give us a little bit about your thoughts on on the expansion of access and how we raise up those that have not traditionally had that opportunity uh, and how we can amplify the impact that we're having through AI tools. Yeah, I think that this is something that's really near and dear to me and I've experienced it personally. I, as you mentioned, run a small social impact or social enterprise startup here in DC called The Regular. What we do isn't more in the service and hospitality industry, though we do try to infuse impact and giving back into our work with our customers. But just using that one example, we've been unable to raise VC funding, right? So you've got a small organization trying to do good, trying to grow its business, trying to have a greater impact. We don't have the funding to hire a marketing person, to hire someone to help write fundraising or grant proposals, to create visuals or content, just don't have those resources. And so I really do think that when we really focus on what AI can be good at and not necessarily try to shoehorn it into things that it cannot currently do, there's a tremendous opportunity for under-resourced organizations like minority-owned social enterprises, small CSR teams that are you know, a team of 20 in a company of 60,000 being asked to transform how that company impacts the world. There are just some practical day-to-day uses that AI can radically transform the speed and efficiency with which you can handle those tasks. And I honestly see that as a, a DEI opportunity specifically an opportunity for people who kind of traditionally and persistently are given less resources and asked to do a big job to just get more done. And some of the examples of that are, you know, one of the things that's key in employee engagement, for example, is just communicating with employees. Well, you definitely need to think about AI to my perspective as it is today as a kind of first draft generator, but you have tools like Calendar AI and other tools that have raised funding that can leverage AI to send out appeals to people, offer an opportunity not just to reach out to them, but have them ask questions that can be answered on the spot. You can't do that if you are trying to do that manually with human resources and with your team. But with AI, you can create those outreach materials faster. You can think of innovative ways to do that outreach that go beyond what would have been possible with a small team. That's one example. Another is the is access to advisory services. I mean, there's already a lot of talk in the consulting sector about the impact that generative AI is going to have on consulting. Well, in the social impact space, if you're a small social enterprise or if you're a nonprofit or a foundation or even a corporate responsibility team with limited resources, you may not have the budget for a high level consultant to think about your strategies. And AI can actually be a good sounding board 
uh, for some of those strategies because it has access to a wealth of data on things that other companies, other organizations, other people have done, how effective it might have been. And compiling that information yourself would require, you know, doing a Google search, looking at different links, reading different articles. You have to be aware that the technology hallucinates, that it's not always accurate. But when you're talking about a scenario where you could either bring in a consultant for $10,000 or spend some time working with AI to, to really just search in new and innovative ways, that is a pretty powerful capability that can amplify the amount of work that you can do. And I think about my company, we have to, we've had to actively utilize these tools to help respond to customer inquiries, to help cr- create marketing materials and outreach. It wouldn't be possible for us to grow the company without that, just because the funding picture is often so hard for any organization that's trying to have an impact or that's led by diverse leadership. And that has remained the case for decades. So we can either pretend that that's going to change and suddenly, you know, instead of 1% of VC funding going to minority-owned startups and a smaller percent going to social enterprises, suddenly they're going to get billions of dollars to do all these incredible things. Or we can say, there's a limited set of resources. How do we just get more done? And I think that 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 is the big opportunity for me that actually uh, gets me really excited about the potential of these technologies. I couldn't agree more. You know, we feel passionate about exactly that, right? How do we help limited teams, smaller teams, uh, you know, folks that are really trying to do this incredibly important work? Uh, how do we provide them the tools for efficiency? How do we provide them that opportunity to accelerate and enable the work that they're doing? And most importantly, focus in on the most important core of their work and not be lost in some of the uh, manual effort that goes into communications, that goes into mm-hmm. impact reporting, that goes into storytelling today, that that can be solved by AI-powered tools. And certainly, uh, I think, you know, that's an area that we've been focusing on as well. So yeah. uh, it's an area we certainly are aligned and feel passionate about. Well, there's one well, other thing I, I think folks yeah. need to be cognizant of, and it's it's really around trust. One of the things that I've kind of had on my mind a lot lately is uh, there's been data and reports around declining trust in nonprofits, declining trust in community, declining trust in institutions of all kinds. And that was that those trends were really building steam prior to AI kind of entering the zeitgeist, you know, about a year ago. How will that be affected when we live in a world where, you know, some of the demos and technologies I've seen are so powerful that I could literally be on a Zoom call with someone and between the generative AI listening and responding and generating text and creating images, not even know that the person on the other side of the Zoom, whether they're a real person or not a real person. I think that that's something we'll have to increasingly grapple with, and particularly in spaces like philanthropy and social impact and corporate responsibility that are so trust-based and relationship-based. We really have to think about the impact that that will have on how they get their work done. I think actually, while we talk a lot about AI, one of the topics I think that has to go hand in hand with how AI can be used as well as some of its risks is just this idea that with that already uh, growing trend of, of increased distrust, add into that the idea that you have digital tools that can further exacerbate mistrust, there's going to be an increasing importance, I think, that needs to be placed on people coming together in the real world, in spaces, seeing a nonprofit they might want to give to, talking with a corporate responsibility team member who's inviting them to engage with a cause. I think those sorts of things will become 
more important than ever before, because without them, you know, how do we combat that decline in trust? When the only thing you can really trust 100% is that this person is standing in front of me. Of course, we could get into like the, the humanoid robot factories that are opening and all that, but that, that's, that's tomorrow's uh, webinar problem. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because it is such an important part, right? The, the trust component, the relationship building, um, the responsible side of this. And that's a piece that I know we've been really focused on and talking about a lot is, is what are the steps that are being taken to really be responsible and using AI in a responsible manner, uh, setting everything up from data governance policies and mm-hmm. uh, you know plans and teams to really make sure that these tools are being used in a way that is benefiting folks, is being done in a, in a very safe and trusted way. Uh, it's critically important. I couldn't agree more. So with that in mind, as, as we close out, Brandilyn, and, and you think about AI, and you think about the corporate social impact space, and the incredible opportunities for innovation, as well as some of the risks that we've talked about, the opportunity for amplification for impact, what's maybe one sort of closing word that comes to your mind as you think about the AI-driven world to come? Oh, that's a great question. One word. I think the word for me uh, would actually be connection. It's just an alternative way to search. These are not, they can seem like it, but these are not sentient tools, right? They are not Mr. Data on the bridge of the enterprise. They are just searching through large reams of data a little bit more efficiently, presenting it to you a little more efficiently so that you can digest it. And I think that with that comes an opportunity for us to better connect, for us to not spend necessarily two hours looking at the spreadsheet if we're on a corporate responsibility team and analyzing, you know, where volunteers gave to or where they where they volunteered or what organizations they gave to. And instead being able to take advantage of the fact that you can use an AI for data analysis and it's quite good at that in, in many circumstances. That hour and a half that you've saved is time that you might be able to take 30 minutes and just go sit in a room with those volunteers and connect with them and engage with them. And I think about a scenario where you are trying to train someone and they're not familiar with corporate social responsibility or with philanthropy, because those are spaces that have had a lot of issues dealing with diversity and inclusion, right? They, they are not uh, diverse spaces in many across many dimensions, many aspects, right? And so when you get in that intern who maybe comes from a community like I did, a background like I did, where no one in their immediate network or their extended network has ever heard the word philanthropy, has ever heard the word corporate responsibility, but I just wanted to give back. When you get that intern and you don't have time to explain all of the basics to them, they have someone or a tool rather that they can interact with to ask basic questions around corporate responsibility. Where did it come from? What are its trends? How can I think about this issue without someone having to necessarily be there to hold their hand and talk them through all of those things kind of over Zoom meetings or in person? And I think that presents tremendous opportunities for us to connect with each other in new ways and connect with new people and populations and diversify who's part of all of these movements like corporate responsibility that are striving to make the world a better place. So I think for me, the, the word connection is what, what came to mind. That's a great question. I love that. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you picked connection. You know that I feel very passionate about this idea of mm-hmm. us really putting our humanity or our people back at the center of our work and connection yes. very much is the core component of that. And 
What I love that you called out is the reality is if we think of AI tools as being something that can really help us take our data and draw insights, it can free up our time to do that mm -hmm. most important work, which is that connection. So I love that. Brandilyn, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. As always, it's such a pleasure sitting down and talking with you uh, and just really appreciate all your insights on, on AI, where you see it today, where you see it going, uh, and the impact on the corporate social impact space. Always a pleasure. Love what you all are building at BlackBot. Thank you. Thanks again. Take care.